welcome to Faithful. Uh, I am Christina. I'm Emma. And this is our podcast where we talk about faith and stuff. Uh, in and, media, specifically. Yeah, yeah, faith, <laughs> faith and stuff in media. Um, if you're a little bit confused as to maybe what all that might entail, uh, go back one episode in your podcast of choice and listen to our origin episode. Uh, we talked about ourselves for a bit and about things we're going to be doing on the show and stuff. Uh, but... For today, we have a very special topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Emma, who are we talking about today? We are talking about Merle Hightower High Church of the Adventure Zone Balance Arc podcast. And yes. I am pumped because he is pretty much like the thing I wanted to talk about talking like when we talked about starting this podcast. Yes. Uh, and as a side note, before we get into it... um. If you haven't listened to the Adventure Zone Balance, uh, first off, I'm going to be like every other person who has listened to it and highly suggest that you listen to it because it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we're probably going to spoil the entire thing. <laughs> yes. We are going to probably spoil every single thing in the Adventure Zone Balance that we that is relevant to this episode. So if you're concerned about spoilers, um, maybe skip this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that in mind, I guess, um, do we want to talk about why we wanted to specifically do Merle and then maybe just do a quick, like, recap of, recap of what, like, the narrative is before we go into specific examples? Yeah, sure. Um, I know, like, Merle, like, pretty much from the beginning of the show... Um, Taz was the first, like, McElroy thing I ever listened to, so I didn't know, um, I couldn't tell Justin and Travis apart for a long time. Same. Uh, (laughs) Um, and I had no idea, like, who their dad was or anything, or, like, their backstory or anything, but, like, what Clint McElroy, like, brought to Merle just really hit me, like, deep somewhere, like, immediately. Um, Mm -hmm. with just, like, the way that he, like, incorporated, like, his beliefs and like his faith into like this goofy like <laughs> plants uh fornicating character like you can say sex I don't, sex <laughs> oh see i wanted to say um another word and i was struggling to figure out <laughs> oh gotcha <laughs> um yeah but yeah just yeah what what like, I think this episode is going to be in equal parts about Merle and Clint McElroy, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just because it's so, like, you just really don't see it that much. Like, like real, like, relatable uh, faith figures or, like, people who, like, are religious in mm-hmm. media like this. And it was just so cool to see how that grew and became really important by the end of mm-hmm. it all. It was great. You know what just occurred to me? What's that? That when this episode comes out, that when this episode comes out, if we tweet this at Clint, he will probably first off retweet it and then say he wants to come on the podcast, ah. <laughs> which would just I would just die. That would be so um, great. But yeah, um, I and with the Adventure Zone, I didn't get I didn't get like quite as hooked into Merle as Emma did at the beginning, um, mostly because I had a very um, I had a very, like, meandering path with Taz Balance. Um, mm-hmm. 
I distinctly remember that I was listening to the first episodes when I was helping my parents clear honeysuckle out of our backyard, <laughs> uh, which was like in, I guess, maybe August of 2017 or no, 2016. Uh, and then once I think I hit, um, I think once I hit pedals to the metal, I got I got really into it, oh, and yeah. I was able mm-hmm. to finish it in time that I was able to listen to the episode when it came out, or listen to the finale when it came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> I actually listened, to, I went on the Taz wiki, and <laughs> then I st- I made a list of all of the relevant episodes, and I, wa- and I listened to all of them over the course of seven days while I was at work, <laughs> taking notes while I was at work. I definitely cried at least, at least, I definitely teared up at least five times, and at least three of those times I actually shed tears while I was at work, so <laughs> thanks McElroy's. <laughs> um, because Merle, like, it took me a while, but Merle is also my favorite character mm-hmm. from Trace Horny Boys, simply because, like, Magnus is good. Taco is also good. But I really connect to Merle with the kind of, I guess, irreverence toward his religion. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because uh, I'm the kind of person where, like, we we were talking about this before the call. um, How, like, I find the John Mulaney skit about him growing up in the Catholic Church incredibly hilarious. uh, Because I'm willing to acknowledge that, yes, my, my religion is something that can be made fun of. I'm that casual with it. But if I show that to my father, the deacon, he would not be as pleased with it. (laughs) Yeah. So I can relate to that, like, that kind of, like, like, your, like, religion is whatever, but faith is really important. Yes, exactly. I feel like if there's any, like, moral to Merle's story, that's it, basically. I mean, there is a more, there is a moral to Merle's story, and it's choose joy. That's (laughs) true. Yes. He's a very concise way. He can have more than one moral. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think we should probably recap Merle's story real quick. Yeah. There's, like, a lot of notes here that I'm looking at, but I think we're going to blaze through most of them. Yes, because I have, I took lots of notes. Yeah. And then, yeah, and I think we'll just pause whenever we find something that sparks a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, The Adventures on Balance is the story of three adventurers, who are played by Griffin McElroy's uh, two older brothers and his dad. Uh, so, you know, that's a, that's a great part environment right there. Um, his older brothers don't have names. They're only known as Griffin's brothers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just, just I know. easy. The older brothers are Justin and Travis. There you go. I've said your names. <laughs> um, but uh, in particular, we're going to be focusing on Clint's character, who mm-hmm. is Merle Hightower, Highchurch. Uh, and he fills the role of the party's cleric, which, for those of you who are maybe not familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, is essentially like the healer of the group, the priest of the group, the one who is, in theory, supposed to be especially connected to some sort of higher power, whether that's a defined deity, or depending on what version of D&D you're playing, it could just be a primordial force, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or some kind of aberration from outside of the from outside of reality. Uh, but in particular, uh, but Merle actually kind of goes through some switching around there. Mm -hmm. Like the first leg of their journey, they're kind of like, 
they're kind of just playing it for fun. Um, but we get to see kind of like, like the first real bits of, I want like the first real bits of like heartfelt like character interactions from Merle. Uh, at the end of the Here There Be Gerblins arc, um, when, uh, for context, uh, the party has spent the last five episodes trying to track down uh, one of Merle's distant cousins, and it turns out that this cousin is looking for essentially a super weapon, and uh, he gets a hold of it, but it starts to it starts to consume this cousin of his, mm-hmm. Gondrin. Well. Gundren in the podcast. Uh, oh, I, I forget what's I forget what his name is in the comic. They renamed. I don't the comic. care. <laughs> um, but uh, Merle's first really like meaningful, I guess, character interaction comes in the episode where they're trying to talk Gundren down from using the super weapon, mm-hmm. and this is really where we see like the beginnings of his like choose joy philosophy because uh, the two other characters played by Justin and Travis, Magnus and Taco. Uh, are wanting to respectively, like, fist fight Gundren so that he gives up the weapon and mm-hmm. run for their lives. Um, but Merle, uh, I think Merle is actually, well, I think Clint is actually the one who suggests trying to talk to Gundren. Mm-hmm. And what Merle does is then he appeals to the common bond that he and Gundren have, the bond of family, and reminds him of things that are particularly happy that are good that make life worth living like talking about their family members and things that they've done together and stuff um and (laughs) i have this in my notes because even though like this is still like the this this is like this is the extreme to use the plant metaphor germination of merle (laughs) as a character um we get to see some of like basic basic foundations that clint then goes on to develop in the rest of balance Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's really interesting like not just for merle but like for all the characters like going from like like the last thing i listened to is the finale i haven't listened to it really since then not in full anyway um but like the first couple episodes like they changed so much since those but you Mm -hmm. really like knowing where they end up and how they start you get to see like what's really at the core of it and like the fact that like that sort of interaction was like at the core of what clint wanted to do with merle's character even if he wasn't doing character voices yet or anything like that yeah like that was still there it was a work in progress (laughs) (laughs) He's he's doing his best uh but yeah it was so so good this is the beginning of what happens in the in the end <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um the next big like the next i guess big milestone in merle's journey is that uh when they get to do one of what they ended up calling like lunar interludes so kind of the point in the adventure at which they like stop and they they rest up they get new items that kind of a thing mm-hmm. um merle actually goes through uh merle actually goes through a change in his domain and his deity which again for people who maybe haven't played D or aren't familiar with it um when you're playing a cleric a religious healer um you have to pick when you're essentially creating your character uh what you want their like their domain to be so think of it like picking a major at college yeah. uh, like 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 people people can be uh people can be like focusing on the domain of knowledge so you get people with 
people following deities or forces that focus on knowledge. So maybe they're more creative or they're more focused on like, like understanding secrets or that kind of a thing. Um, and Merle switches from being just kind of the character that was on, I think the pre-gen character sheet mm-hmm. they were using, yep. um, which was a life domain. So kind of focusing on just like life and healing and stuff mm-hmm. uh, into being a cleric who's uh for the forces of nature. So, you know, nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he actually also has to switch deities to do that. Mm-hmm. So he changes to following the god Pan. Um, who I find I find that interesting because Pan, I don't think before this, I ever associated with nature in particular. I, really? He's, I mean, he's the nature god. <laughs> well, real world context here. Christina was... Uh, uh, instead of being specifically like like the dragon girl or the horse girl, I was the mythology nerd in middle school. Ah, so my I literally had like I had Edith Hamilton's mythology book, I had the Cliff Notes mythology book, so I was very familiar with how like the deities were supposed to function in mm-hmm. all of these uh, chronologically ancient religions. Um, so like with those, like I'd always associated Pan with like. The idea of Pan is that, like, Pan is the god of music and, like, and shepherds and stuff, but not as much, like, nature and the forces of nature. So that was something that I wasn't as familiar with before to as balanced, but it's like, yeah, sure, this is their version of Pan, that flies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, uh... (laughs) A little trivia for Taz fans who probably don't remember this because no one does, but he used to follow Marth Hammer Dwin, uh, and they goof a little bit about uh, Marth Hammer being upset about him switching over uh, to Pan. But uh, like, I think, in I I feel like a lot of what we're gonna say here is kind of like a reach. Like they didn't mean it to be this way, but like we're gonna take it this way because we like to. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But like. Like, even that little moment that, like, honestly just glazes by and it doesn't really have, like, a whole lot of, like, weight later. Uh, It's just, like, interesting to see, like, this is, like, a part of his, like, faith journey. Mm -hmm. And, like, you just don't see those in media, like, ever. Yeah. You don't get to see the stumbling blocks. Unless they're, like, the really big momentous stumbling blocks. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now he's, uh... Like, the things about his personality that changed is he's more, like, druidic, sort of, and he's definitely more crunchy, kind of mm-hmm. leans into the, like, he's a bad dad <laughs> sort of thing, which I don't think we get yeah. into that backstory yet, but, like, it, he's just such, like, a real character <laughs> with so much yeah. depth. Yeah. Ah, I'm, like, I, getting I ahead of can, myself, but, oh. Yeah, we can kind of just make, like, that general statement that part of what gets a lot of people interested and continually interested in the Adventure Zone is that all of the McElroys, like, let their characters have flaws. Mm-hmm. And they are extremely flawed, but that just makes them all the more relatable. Yeah. <laughs> because and- so often in media, like, like there's the characters who have, who are just, like, absolute paragons. And whatever, whatever flaws they might have are just, not immediately, but they're very quickly, like, overcome, and it just adds to their, it just adds to their good nature. Mm-hmm. But, or, like, I know when I've played D&D in the past, like, uh, people's characters will, like, have flaws, but they're really, like, 
they're like they're flaws, but they're also just character traits, and they're played as a joke, which is like not bad. That's like how you play D anD D, but yeah. like, and that is what they're doing here too, really. But like, just the way that like, because I they all relate to their own characters as well, and like you can see them in their characters, and that just makes it like so much more real, even if you don't know who they are or like where they've come from or anything like that, like. The, just the way that they're played and portrayed and, like, the story that they tell, like, really, like, you know, gets them. Gets, yeah. You see, like, really who they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with the, uh, as far as, like, the rest, like, I'm just gonna kind of, like, blaze through the rest of- Sure, sure, sure. Not the rest of things, but, um, I'm gonna try and hit the big points. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that Merle does in- over the course of the Adventure Zone, is that he has kind of struggles with organized religion. Yeah. <laughs> um, namely that there are, like, there's kind of, I guess, the stereotype both in the universe of, like, playing Dungeons and Dragons and outside of playing Dungeons and Dragons that, like, the clerics are supposed to be, you know, like, like the pure ones. And, like Emma said, <laughs> Merle is definitely not pure. He's very flawed. <laughs> I think at one point Clint describes him as wanting to use, like, the creepy youth minister voice. <laughs> um, That's um, so good. Yeah. But part of this conflict with, like, organized religion is that Merle spends a lot of time trying to proselytize and evangelize to NPCs that he comes across in his journey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is almost, and except for uh, one case that is almost at the end that we will talk about in detail because it's very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, he almost always fails. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mostly because the... Well, I mean, not mostly because, for various reasons. Like, the when he first meets Angus, he tries to evangelize to Angus uh, with the line, It's good to be fancy, but you should be pansy. <laughs> uh, which lands just about as well as that joke did. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, there's other times in which he tries to he tries to preach to people. I think he tried to proselytize to people in pedals to the metal, mm-hmm. and that also didn't go over well. He did it in um uh, uh 11th eleventh hour, hour too with uh, yeah. Cassidy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to look up an Adventure Zone animatic, if you haven't seen it, uh, um, the hello, the, my name is Elder Merle. It is no, it, it's called um I the Book of Merlemen. Yeah, the Book of Merlman. It's by... Yes. I should actually look up the artist one second. Yeah, go for it. Credit artists. In case you're listening to this, um, if you see an artist, credit them. <laughs> uh, Speaking as two artists. Uh, Morgan Hillebrand. Yes, Morgan Hillebrand. Uh, their work is fantastic. It's probably the best has animatic out there. It's... it's, it's um, Merle is chasing after this uh cassidy trying to like evangelize to her and help her because he knows that she's in trouble and he's trying mm-hmm. to use pan to help her she just yeah. does not understand and ends up smacking him in the head with a shovel uh but like it's he just like it never deters him he's always like yes. oh pan's great these people didn't really want him but you know yeah. i'll move on to the next it's, person that's fine it's extremely well-intentioned and extremely poorly executed yes <laughs> reaching out of like reaching out of faith yes uh yeah he yeah. is great let me see um do you remember where i don't know if he if he took notes of it but do you remember when he talked to um 
Lucretia, like when they had like that mud bath together. Yeah, that is uh, the is that realization. That's episode forty, and I was gonna real quick touch on like the end of oh yeah, in no, the middle and okay, some Never mind Crystal then. Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, continue like going on through the rest of the series. Um, Merle at one point, uh, in particular during the during the climax of Petals to the Metal, um, Merle is uh. When they're trying to rescue Sloan from the sash, uh, for, I guess when they're trying to rescue Sloan from the thrall of the Gaia sash, um, he actually Merle and maybe Clint also to a certain extent um, relates saving Sloan from the from the from the thrall of the Gaia sash to saving her soul. And at one point, he actually says, "What about Jesus?" <laughs> yeah, which he's which playing is like, as a joke, you know, but yeah. like. Play is a joke, but it's it's just a funny line, and I wanted to, and I put it in my notes because it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is also I I also had down because it's a good example of him continuing to focus on like saving like saving people as opposed to like strictly following like the confines of religion or mm-hmm. the structures of religion. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because there because there if if the if that game or if that situation was encountered by people. Like who were a different party of adventurers? Who knows? They might have just tried to kill Sloane outright rather than trying to redeem her and mm-hmm. save her life. Yeah. So yeah. it could have gone any number of ways. Um, yeah. a lot of sorry. What were you gonna say? No, I just was gonna add that like, so like the Gaia Sash, uh, like again, probably not how it was intended, but like Clint's, uh, you know, jokes about like saving her soul while saving her from the Gaia Sash really, like, paints the Gaia Sash as, like, a metaphor for, like, you know, like, any kind of sin or just, like, mm-hmm. um, being, like, apart from God. Um, and so, uh, I keep, <laughs> I keep forgetting that this is, like, a God podcast, so, like, I don't have to, like, step on eggshells about it. I mean, we um, established pretty early on that, like, hey, <laughs> hey, you're Christian, I'm Catholic. Yeah, I'm Christian. Um, a lot of our relating things here is Probably going to be focused on the Judeo-Christian God. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not exclusively, but that's but that's our touchstone. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, what I was going to say is, like, so the Gaia Sash is, like, temptation, and Merle even talks about, like, I at some point he, the once they get the Sash away from uh, Sloane, uh, they, um, like, Merle says that he's, like, tempted by it, like, the Thrall is calling him, but he overcomes it by saying that, like, he doesn't need its help to do things. <laughs> things things <laughs> um and like like just like it's interesting and important to me to see that like he like sure he's like got this weird like relationship with faith and everything but he still like believes in it enough to say like i don't need that i have pan you know mm-hmm. like that sort of thing is like important to see for me it made it helped me a lot <laughs> yeah and I'm going to add on to that because um, considering how, as revealed in the Stolen Century arc, how the Gaia Sash in particular was created by Merle, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you could argue that it's like this is Merle like turning down like the temptation of his own previous sins. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> like looking at even again, this is kind of just like us like reinterpreting things from the end of the canon. To, like, the early middle of the canon. <laughs> when the but, uh, ant canon didn't exist yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. When the ant canon had not been established yet. But, um, just, like, I like the kind of, I like the idea of, like, 
even unconsciously like realizing like this is this is the like this is caused by something that was my fault and I am not going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess unintentional penitence is how you could describe that. Sure, yeah, exactly. There we go. <laughs> um after they do all that though, uh they go into the crystal the Crystal Kingdom arc, mm-hmm. which is where everyone everyone gets a lot more character development. Oh yeah, like it really hits the fan in Crystal Kingdom. Yes. Everything hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, uh, Merle's course of this arc is essentially um, really his first big encounter with faith and then crisis of faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, namely, by this point, they're a high enough level in Dungeons and Dragons where Merle can use the spell commune, which lets the player character speak to their speak to the deity or I guess the force of their choice. <laughs> And because it's Merle, and he has questioning, he has questionable competence sometimes. <laughs> um, like the thing is, you're allowed to ask three questions, and his three questions are: Is there a question we can ask to solve the game? Am I stupid? And then, do we know the thing that he wants us to ask? <laughs> the answers to which are all: Yes, no, you're not stupid, you're beautiful, and then yes. <laughs> uh, which is just like it's. Like this is this is when Merle is directly speaking to Pan, his deity, and he spends a lot of it being very much so in awe of the fact that yes, he's talking to a deity, um, mm-hmm. but it's also that like, hey, like this is literally his turning to higher turning to a higher power is literally his last resort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, his his faith isn't really strong at all yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I. I really love this, like, little speech that he gives. He's like, dear Pan and Lee Father. And, like, Travis yes. is, like, just losing Pan in and the Lee background. Father. He thinks it's hilarious, which is, you know, egging Clint on and, like, everything. And it's great. But, like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the fact, he says, I prostrate. Or what does he say? He's like, I prostrate myself in front of you. Prostrate? Like, no. Not prostate? <laughs> no. <laughs> you want to take that again? <laughs> no, he says prostate the first time. No, he said, oh, he does yeah. say it. Okay. I was like, yeah. oh. No, no, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you know, he, like, so, like, he really has no idea what he's doing. He's, like, a really new mm-hmm. Pan follower and everything. But, like, um, he still goes to him for help and asks him for validation, which is, like, my entire yes. thing. <laughs> he's like, am I stupid? <laughs> and, like, yeah. and just, like, immediately Pan is like, no, you're not stupid. You're beautiful. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. so sweet. <laughs> that's how god is isn't he every time i ask if i'm stupid he's like no you're beautiful (laughs) don't worry about it okay yeah so yeah yeah um the whole thing with the fact that like this is literally it's literally like a fly-by-night encounter with a god Mm -hmm. um it sets merle up for the next episode which is where he has his crisis of faith (laughs) um because it turns out that the group has been uh, that is it. They're essentially being headhunted by a grim reaper, mm-hmm. uh, and this grim reaper uh, decides to impersonate Pan, and of course, you know, having not immediately prior, but really recently spoken to his god, mm-hmm. um, Merle. <laughs> Merle believes that this reaper is his deity, and then uh, when it causes Merle to uh, lose his arm to some magical overgrowing crystal, uh. Merle's reaction is literally just to say in various tones of exhaustion and betrayal, 
God lied. God <laughs> lied to ben me. Why did lie to me? Yes. <laughs> and uh, I was just listening. So I, I watched a couple of animatics before we started recording just to like refresh my mind on everything. Like, one to the one to the one to the three. <laughs> why did Ben lie to me? Oh, so good. Um, But uh, just like that line specifically, like why did Pan lie to me? And then, oh. It wasn't Pan, was it? And then, like, that's, like, the last thing that he <laughs> thinks before his arm is chopped off. Mm-hmm. But, like, I uh, I don't know. Like, just thinking about it again, um, like, like when, when, like, bad stuff happens to you, especially when it happens all at once, like, it's really easy to think, it's like, oh, why did God lie to me? Why would God let this happen to me? Like, mm-hmm. why, like this just doesn't make sense. I'm having a crisis. I don't understand. But, like, then he's like, oh, that probably wasn't God, was it? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's very good. And also because, like, so often, like you talked about, like, the minute that everything starts to go sour, like, we mortals are always like, why is everything terrible? And the answer is, we don't know. Because <laughs> we are mortals and we are fallible. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have, we do not have any influence over a higher power. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, this, uh, Merle's kind of crisis of faith then continues through the rest of, through the rest of this arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of, I guess, comes to, like, a point of acceptance in one of the first big episodes. I have a nice big section of notes here. Um, <laughs> where they have another one of their interlude episodes. And in this episode in particular, um, Merle gets to talk to, um, the director of the group they've been working for. Her name is Lucretia. We will come back to her for her own full episode as she deserves. Oh, please, God. I, Emma, I put it on our list. We will talk about her. I know. I'm so excited. I'm also very excited. Um, but uh, at one point, there's, they're in a spa... Uh, having they're having a they're having mud baths together, like a couple's thing, but it's definitely not romantic at all. Um, so funny, and I love that. Like, and this was all Clint's idea. It's like I think we're gonna go like to the spa and like mud baths with each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I wrote this down. I wrote I I write down a lot of things word for word. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of I do a lot of podcast notes for various podcasts. Um, but in particular, like. Griffin and this character, Lucretia, uh, ask why Merle picked her to go with him instead of one of the other main characters. And he says, well, like, like, this lady needs a break and a friend. I can be her friend and I can help her get the break. And I'm like, that's, that's just a really good, like, encapsulation of Merle, like, like, not necessarily, like, solving everyone's problems for them, but helping them to get to a point where they can, like, solve the problems, like, themselves or get find solutions themselves Mm -hmm. yeah like he knows that he might not have the exact answer but he knows that he could help Mm -hmm. and that's what he wants to do and like he cares so much about like individuals and like he doesn't he doesn't know the the director's like name at this point like he really doesn't know anything about her at all but he's Mm -hmm. like listen she's got a real hard job and she does we're old together why not let's do it and yeah it's really good. And, like, and so, like, while they're talking, um, you know, they, like, start having, like, really, like, deep conversations. We get to, like, into Lucretia's, like, mind and how she's thinking, which is crazy because that never happens. Yeah. Um, A woman getting to express her thoughts and emotions in my <laughs> podcast? Right. But, you know, and 
so uh they start talking and um well lucretia asks him why he's so like irreverent about everything and he's like oh you know insecurities about my appearance my height my weight the fact i only have one arm now um and he's always been like that it's like why he just says why worry about things you know we're not getting out of this life like why not enjoy what's happening even if it's kind of bad yeah yeah um one, I actually had to do a little bit of research for this because at one point Clint mentioned, um, or Clint and Merle mentioned um, the movie The Poseidon Adventure mm. and a particular character from from it. Um, and I I read the Wikipedia summary for it. I didn't have time to watch it. Um, <laughs> but the character that he's referring to is in this movie a priest um, who was go who was sent to Africa. And then I don't remember if he was like embezzling money or something to get his ticket, or maybe I'm confusing that with like various Titanic fictions that I've read about. <laughs> um, but anyway, there's this priest in this movie, The Poseidon Adventure, um, who was exiled for believing God helps those who help themselves. So probably not a hundred percent on the up and up. Um, <laughs> but then when you know the ship gets Poseidon, um, he takes the leadership role and he leads a bunch of people trying to get out of this boat. And uh, he is determined to save everyone to the point where he sacrifices his own life to save the group of people that he's traveling with. Uh, even though, and he manages to hold on until everyone dies, which like that kind of like deep sacrifice is really important. And thankfully no one has to die and sacrifice themselves in the adventures of balance. <laughs> Right. At least none of the main characters <laughs> do. But um but that 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 like sacrificial faith and love is something that's really important. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it's really impossible, honestly, to have like somebody who sacrifices themselves like in a piece of media and not have like at least the tiniest bit of like Christ imagery go with it. Or like have someone be able to read it that way. Um and because it's just a really powerful story, like, regardless of whether you believe it or not, just, like, the idea that someone would die for these people who've never done anything for him, like, that's powerful, you know? Yeah. And it's really, really good. Mm -hmm. Um, But, so, uh, you know, uh, Merle compares himself to this uh, <laughs> to this character um, and kind of expresses um, that he's been having, like, conflicts um, with his faith, like, tests of faith over last lots of years <laughs> losing his arm yeah yeah right losing his arm being the most poignant one um but he always tries to keep like an open mind um and you know he says like while well, having faith is important you need to have some idea about a higher power like a higher purpose um and he talks about he's never been really a church guy uh, as a priest that sounds kind of weird but you know yeah um and he, he like his thing is he doesn't want to make a bunch of rules for people like i think in his mind, and I think Clint's mind too, I'm making assumptions obviously, but like, like, religion isn't so much like a bunch of rules you have to do to get into heaven as much as it is like a comfort and just like something that helps you get through hard times and gives you some sort of direction for your life, mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel like we probably should have mentioned this in the in the origin episode. Oh, sure. Um, my person, my my personal Chris, my, Christina's personal definition of faith is that faith is just like the sheer and simple or complicated whatever <laughs> beliefs that you have, and then religion is like the practices that you do with your faith, your beliefs. Mm -hmm. So that's where that separation is for me. 
Yeah, I like, agree. Like, in the context of Catholicism, like, believing in Jesus Christ is the belief, but, like, the actual, like, rites of the mass, the sacraments, that kind of a thing, that is more religion to me. Right. No, I yeah. totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where my divide is for religion and faith, um, so that we have that established going forward. Yeah. <laughs> for um, sure. Yeah. And looking at the rest of it, it's like, well, looking at the rest of, like, this one episode that's really pivotal for Merle, um, like, he directly mentions that he's a lot more faithful than religious, um, but also that, like, he doesn't necessarily know if his deity cares about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, which, yeah, which, relatable. That. <laughs> um, Super relatable. Yeah, yeah, but also that he tries to, but he tries to keep up the faith as much as he can, and, like, if it helps me, then good, but... If it's, but if it doesn't help me, then you know what? Like, what's the harm? Sure, right. And so, yeah, he keeps talking about this, talks about how his, like, faith background is, like, when he was younger, um, Pananites came around his house and they would do, you know, <laughs> they'd do fun music. He'd go to pan camp, <laughs> which I mm-hmm. think is really great. Um, you know, uh, lots of cavorting at pan camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah then he says he kind of got dragged into it and like next thing you knew he was wearing a collar and like i can totally relate to that too because Mm -hmm. i've been raised in the faith and like yeah um, i definitely like have thoughts where it's like am i like do i actually believe this or is this just what's been spoon fed to me for my entire life um and you know i'm still working through it but uh yeah just like just like even in the tiniest interactions like the depth to like Merle's like faith journey is like so interesting and like real that I I just love it so much so like kind of wrapping up this little scene that they have um Lucretia talks to him uh she's like jealous of how much he's like he knows about uh you know religion and how into it he is and all of that um and uh Merle says something about like it's like Pan doesn't really care I don't think he really like it doesn't matter to him whether he's Merle's buddy or anything like that. It's just how religion makes you feel, you know? Like, whether or not he's real or he cares about me is whatever. Like, it just makes me feel better, so that's what I do. And she's like, oh, I don't know about that. And uh, we kind of glazed over this, but he got a soul wood arm from Pan after his uh, arm got cut off in uh, Crystal Kingdom, and it kind of has a mind of its own. And now it's, like, it's tapping its fingers, like, annoyed on the edge of the tub that they're sitting in and he looks mm-hmm. over and like he's not doing that that's definitely like a sign from pan he's like well maybe he does <laughs> maybe he does care <laughs> um and i just think that's so good mm-hmm. it's like even if you don't like even if you're not like actively believing like he's still there mm-hmm. you know it's oh, so good. yeah yeah Fa- faith on your part does not necessarily mean a lack of faith on the other end mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever yeah. the other end might be attached to yeah also, the fact that that was a Griffin thing and not a Clint thing. Mwah, so good. So good. Anyway, let's yes. keep going. Yes. Um, the next arc they go through is the 11th hour, which is a really fun, like, like Groundhog Day thing where they gotta, like, reset and, like, figure out what's going on with this town and solve the mystery and stuff. Um, and kind of at the end of this arc, um, the the main characters encounter another deity. Um, this one is Istis. Who I don't know if Griffin made her up directly or if is this is from another D and D like I haven't universe. heard of her outside of Taz, but I don't know. Who could know? 
Um, essentially, she's the goddess of fate and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, they have to meet with her. So uh, Merle direct Merle tries to actually like directly tries to communicate with the deity, and he does get a verified response this time, even though it's not <laughs> actually from his deity. <laughs> uh, and they kind of address it kind of fleetingly, but they 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 talk about it a bit in the next episode after that one, where they talk about where this goddess Istis um, asks that they essentially become her servants. And actually Merle is a little bit reluctant to do that because he's like, well, I do already have a god. And she's like, it's more like I'd be, I'd be your employer than your <laughs> deity. He's like, okay. <laughs> that kind of just nonchalance about everything. Like, I think mm-hmm. when they actually encounter the physical manifestation of Istis, he's like, Hey, how are you doing? Love the hair. And just extremely, extremely casual about everything. Mm-hmm. I And I love that because, like, I kind of, like, we, I grew up in a non-denominational church, quotation marks. Um, that's just what it says on the sign. Um, but, like, I've always grown up with people being really, like, loose and, like, comfortable. Like, especially when they're praying and stuff, they're like, hey, what's up, God? Uh, you know, this sort of thing's happening with me. It'd be really cool if you'd help me out with that. And so, like, I think it's just really special to see, like, a religious person who isn't... Because usually religious people in media are, like, very, like, oh, holy lord. <laughs> like, very, you know, crazy Hashtag Catholic and... problems. <laughs> but, <yeah>. Salve Regina. <laughs> and which is, I mean, that's totally valid, too, obviously. Yeah. But, like, um... That is the common portrayal. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun to see, you know, like, religion portrayed more, um, casually, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, but they, they, they solve the mystery. No one dies, again, mm-hmm. thankfully this time. No one, no one definitively dies. Um, and before they go into this next arc, which is also really important, um, they kind of mention that, like, hey, like, Merle, ha- Merle hasn't been such a good person in the past, but his faith has helped him to, like, turn his life around. Mm-hmm. Um, his faith and, maybe more importantly, his kids have uh, helped to turn around because he has he has two kids. He has a stepdaughter and he has a son uh, mm-hmm. who we do get to meet. And they're not necessarily, like, they don't appear a whole lot, but they are important to Merle's character. Mm-hmm. So they're worth mentioning. Sure, sure, for sure. Yeah, you want to take suffering game? Oh <laughs> uh, gosh, yeah, let's get into this. So while they're in um the suffering game like area, uh what is this called? I forget. Uh, Wonderland. Wonderland. I knew that. Um so like while they're in Wonderland, uh Merle's like connection with Pan gets is waning and gets severed. Mm-hmm. Um and um which is hard, obviously, cuz he's been getting better and like more faithful, I think, but then like you know, getting separated from that. Yeah, it's um, suddenly it's cut off. Yeah, which I another relatable thing sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like, even so, he's still trying to be faithful and do the best with what he's got. Um, he has to give up his eye. He has to give, like, the whole part of Wonderland is that he has to give up a bunch of things, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, I think could get, yeah, that's... We could probably draw allegories, but that doesn't have to be in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... Let's see. He, um... I feel like the big thing for him throughout this arc is that, like, he is explicit, like, he is explicitly, like, he has, like, 
it's like it's like a well that's going dry. Like he's just got a limited reserve of things that he can do, and he keeps, but and he just he knows that, and he still continues to do the best that he can with what he has. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Namely, I feel like the biggest point in the suffering game is um, the moment that. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Adventure Zone, you've probably heard people discuss before. It's called Arms Outstretched. Um, and with this moment, one of the characters, Magnus, essentially got uh, he got kicked out of his body. And Taco goes to rescue him. And with having his powers still, like, dying out, like, like that battery's running at, like, 20%, uh, mm-hmm. Merle still uh, is able to use divine magic to help both recover Magnus from getting sucked into literally oblivion <laughs> and uh, in helping to essentially, uh, and helping to kill the creatures, the witches that they've been fighting against for mm-hmm. this whole arc. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like we probably talk about this scene for a lot too, but I haven't listened to it recently, so it's not fresh in my mind. Um, but like, it's this this moment of like, just like using his like faith magic and like mm-hmm. it's like it's so it's like friendship and family and yeah like faith and uh it's, it's not as much such a beautiful it, moment it's not as much faith in pan the deity as much mm-hmm. as it is like faith in himself and his traveling companions who have become his friends yeah and the things that they can do together mm-hmm. which is also something that we will have to talk about in the lucretia episode but that's another <laughs> episode yeah 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 for sure um then uh they then at some eventually um Merle just becomes completely disconnected from from the source of his divine power, Pan. And this and this does get picked up on, but first we have to go into the stolen century. My favorite arc. Yes. I love it so much. Yes. Um the base the the setup for this is that it's like, oh, hey, the main characters plus four other characters spent a hundred years roaming through essentially different realities mm-hmm. and doing different things and traveling around and trying to rescue this thing called the light of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and outrun this thing yes. called the hunger. Yes, and outrun this extraplanar, this extraplanar entity called the hunger. Yep. And so in the hunger goes around like just decimating planets and even when they do rescue the um like how the light- do, they can save places right they do yeah if they yeah. have the light of creation they can yeah, save it yeah if yeah. they save the light of creation then that that existence is guaranteed mm-hmm. people will still get hurt people will still be people will still die and be consumed by the hunger but mm-hmm. they are but like it's not an instant kill button anymore right Right. And so I feel like parallels between the light of creation and the hunger can be drawn pretty, like, on the nose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but we can talk about that in another episode, too. Yeah, exactly. I, like, what the most important thing for Merle that happens in this arc is when they go to this... Two most town. important things. <laughs> Two most important things? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Funkston and the hunger. Yes. Funkston yes, and Harley. Right. I can't believe I forgot about that. But anyway, I'll talk about Funkston you can talk about the hunger. So, um... So there's this uh town that or like this this uh reality that they find that um like instead of trees they have mushrooms and these little mushroom people and um they call it Bungston. Mm-hmm. Um and uh what happens in this little scene is that Merle 
Um, it's his one successful evangelization. It's the best. He starts a church in Funston, the first church of Funston, where he is just like, it's so earnestly faithful mm-hmm. and like not apologetic about it at all in this like goofy, inappropriate uh, Dungeons and Dragons fan cast. Uh, podcast, podcast, yeah. You know, not, why did I say fan cast? But, you know, like, it's just so good. And, like, I might honestly just read this little um, bolded bit here. Yeah, go for it. Um, Before we do, before we yeah. say that, though, um, the, like, the whole, the whole reason why he starts this church is yeah. because this community, this Funkston, they're, like, their whole, their whole lives are built around surviving surviving living around these giant mushrooms which create poisonous spores mm-hmm. and if you breathe them in they are they're not instantly fatal but they're pretty immediately fatal and their existence is terrible and merle starts this church as a way to give them hope during mm-hmm. their existences however long that might be mm-hmm. which is really and important yes absolutely and um they end up not being able to find the light of creation in time um to save Funston? No, they do. Um they do? Yeah, they do. Taco finds it and then they use oh, to try does? and like recreate the they try to recreate the light. Oh, right. Yeah, anyway, while they're like uh scrambling around trying to like, you know, finish everything they have to do here to save the place, um like Griffin asks uh, all the players like, "Where are you in this time? Like, what are you doing?" And Clint or in Merle say that they're going to be in the church of Bungston with all the townspeople. And he gives this speech to them mm-hmm. um, just to give them hope because it's so scary. Like the hunger is really right there mm-hmm. and attacking and yeah. it's terrifying, but this is the speech that he gives. Um, I'm not going to do it justice, but um, brothers and sisters, dearly beloveds, we are gathered here as one facing the future as one, whether the future be darkness or light. We do not know. Just like we do not know in our lives if we are going to head into darkness or light. But that's what faith is all about. It's even though we don't know where we're headed into, we believe that we are headed into something. And so we share that today. And this is the only place I would like to be, is here with you. Pan, bless you. And yes. pretty much right at that, I think I cried when I listened to this the first time. Yeah. And like right at that moment, um, he... They, the, he ascends. Um, he ascends, literally. It's, it's literally an ascension. <laughs> He, um, yeah, because they escape with the light of creation, and so he literally, like, in this swirling, like, bright white light gets sucked up into the air, like, just as, like, the hunger is defeated, and, um, they're all, like, terrified in this church. Like, I think I've probably listened to this bit three times, at Mm -hmm. least, like, when it came out, because it was just so powerful to me. And it's, I think it's really important to note that, like, this is, like, the earliest chronological example, like, chronological over the course of his life example Mm -hmm. of Merle showing this much faith. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that by the end of, by the end of, like, the hundred years or whatever, like, he is, he, he is completely, like, changed as a person and reset to where he doesn't remember this happening. But, like, the fact that he did this so chronolo- so early on in the chronology of this fiction is mm-hmm. incredibly important. <laughs> it's so good. So, so, so good. Anyway, let's talk about the next thing. Yes. Um, I'm going to kind of speed run this part because yeah, um, the essentially, um, in one of the worlds, in order for them to be able to secure the light of creation, uh, the, the person who is responsible for it asks that Merle... 
learn a power that is called a parlay. Um, it's essentially something they created to be able to like let people who are in conflict uh, have essentially negotiation talks and hopefully work through their issues. And the people that Merle is traveling with uh, agree that it would be best for him to learn about the hunger. And so when he when he does use this power, um, notably, it takes him a while to be able to like get up to their standards of learning it, because this monastery standards are really like traditionally focused, and mm-hmm. Merle doesn't do much tradition like tradition religion, mm-hmm. but in his own way through like focusing on helping other things to grow and like and like learning about himself and meditating, he's able to become worthy to use this power. Mm-hmm. And when he does, um, the the whole campaign is finally introduced personally <laughs> to its antagonist, which is the hunger, this extra planar entity that has been consuming things and chasing them for, uh, at this point, 30 years. <laughs> um and when jo- and when Merle uses this power, he's introduced to essentially the spokesperson for the hunger, who is just this regular guy named John. Except for the fact that John, uh, John and Merle are almost completely diametrically imp- like opposed, mm-hmm. and it takes several it takes several times of Merle using this power to get to the point where they have anything remotely remotely approaching like like a conversational relationship mm-hmm. um and it's over the course of probably like it's probably over the course of at least 20 years uh through the course of them having like conversations where they ask each other questions kind of like a question for a question thing um merle gets to learn a lot of stuff about john and through all of this even though Every one of these like parlay sessions ends with John the Hunger killing Merle in a burst of black opal fire. Um, <laughs> Merle continues, and he conti- he's he's like through everything. He's always very like very friendly and very accommodating to the point where the other characters have to tell him, "Stop telling the Hunger things about us. Stop <laughs> being as friendly as you are being." <laughs> And then they regret that later because guess what? The being friendly helps. <laughs> um, and eventually, um, it, this is close to the end of when uh, of when Merle is trying to get answers out of the hunger. At one point, um, Merle is uh, like Merle is at Merle asks John the hunger, this extra planar entity that has been consuming and following them for. By this point, uh, by this point, at least, probably at least 50 years now, um, Merle asks this extra planar entity, are you my friend? Which is just, which is a really pure moment. And I feel like it says a lot about both Clint and Merle's, like, worldviews, that things are not necessarily defined as good and evil. Things are defined as friend and not friend. Sure, yeah. It's a very, like, golden retriever way to look at the world, but you know what? Maybe we need more of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and John doesn't say that uh, that he is Merle's friend, and instead asks Merle, like, like, what brings Merle happiness? 
And this is like the big, this is like the linchpin of Merle. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when asked what brings him happiness, Merle says, what brings me joy is life. I think you can find joy anywhere in life. I think it's a conscious choice. I think you choose joy in life. And no matter how bad things are, no matter how crummy, no matter how dark, no matter how many times some guy named John kills you, essentially, you find joy. I've found joy. Honest to God, getting to know you. I found joy playing chess with you. I haven't enjoyed, you know, getting myself killed, but I find joy in whatever I do. I don't always do things right, and I don't always do things smart, and I don't always do a character voice, but whatever I do, I find joy in it. Because at the end of the day, that's all you've got, is looking back on the joy you have, and the joy you found, and the joy you gave other people. Which is just... It's... Shekis. Oh my god, it's just so powerful, and like, the fact yes. that like, he said this like with no preparation at all, like, mm-hmm. Griffin just threw the question, what makes your fake dwarf cleric happy? Yes. And this is what he came up with, and it's like, it's it's so It's an incredible good. statement of like... This is like like the like this is the good in the world of bringing joy to yourself and others, and that it's worth fighting for, and that it's worth telling to the extraplanar deity who has killed you at least twenty times and has been following you for the last fifty. I have to keep hammering this in because <laughs> this isn't just like a one-off thing. This is this is an extremely long game, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just like it it just shows like Merle's persistent optimism. And his, like, persistent faith in himself and in others. Mm-hmm. And even though they end that encounter with, like, Merle saying, like, I don't, like, like... I it- think they just... It's a swear. I feel like it's important. <laughs> I like... It's PG, but I will I will not believe this swear. <laughs> yeah. She, he says... And, like, and, well, see, so after he gives that speech, John tells about, um, how life is meaningless like eternity is just life so is, life is meaningless because everyone dies mm-hmm. um and like just all of that and Merle's like i don't think i really want to talk to you anymore i think we're done here um mm-hmm. and uh john is like like oh no one's ever said that to me before blah 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 um and he's like and he's like uh if we ever see each other again in infinity yeah. You can tell yeah. me you were wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, love that so much. And then Merle's, uh, John says some other stuff, whatever, and Merle says, well, we'll see. John, thanks for the chess game, and kiss my ass, you sanctimonious bastard. Yep. That's our one oh, swear. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes, it's just, it's so, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna skip to the finale, because the finale yeah. is incredibly important. Yes. And, uh, in in the finale, the three part finale of this podcast, um, they essentially Merle gets taken into this parlay room by John and the Hunger, and I didn't pick up on this when I was listening through it the first time. It took the second, it took this second try for me to well, not second try. It took my second like almost full listen to to pick up on this. Mm-hmm. But during the parlay where uh, it was on where John was initiating the contact with Merle. Um, Their thing has been that they've been playing chess over most of their interactions with each other. And this one time when John is the one initiating contact, when John is looking to Merle to contact Merle, John essentially uses his chess moves to 
show Merle how the hunger can be defeated. And this is John's redemption. That John has been redeemed through Merle's consistent, well, mostly consistent, friendship with him and mm-hmm. faith and persistent optimism and deter- and like determination that like my like my faith is important to me my faith is that things are good and can be good and should be good and that john repays that faith and trust and confidence by showing merle how to how to defeat things and how to how to save the universe and stuff even though i don't think that clint picked up on it <laughs> i picked up on it and i and i literally wrote this is his redemption Merle's friendship and faith has helped save him, and now he's betraying the hunger from the inside. And when the hunger realizes that John is betraying them, um, he starts to get dragged down into the muck, and Merle's reaction is to try and physically keep John from sinking into this depth of darkness. <laughs> I'm gonna cry for real. <laughs> um, and ultimately, it's not successful because the pull of, on the darkness was too strong and but before Merle can get sucked into that darkness Pam literally appears in a burst of light and Merle casts Zone of Truth which has been his like his joke spell his haha funny joke spell for this whole thing and he casts the spell and then everything is just light and happiness and then he gets to actually talk to his god honestly yeah, for the face first time to face. in a really long time <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm gonna cry. It's just <laughs> such like a powerful statement about like the goodness that can come out of darkness that it is amazing. And like like Merle even like just a couple episodes ago, like you know, told him to like get another swear kiss his ass. Yeah. And like totally said, like, I don't wanna talk to you anymore, but as soon as he came like as soon as John came back and decided that he was going to help and like that like what Merle had been saying finally got through to him like that's so powerful and immediately yes. Merle's back on his side immediately so powerful yes and like even more immediately it's like like chronologically like like right before this happened was when Merle had been expressing like yeah like I just don't have any divine powers anymore my my mm-hmm. my, my god has abandoned me and then when Merle is trying to save John, when, when Merle, com- not, not Merle commits, when Merle does this tremendous act of trying to sell, of trying to save just, just one person, he is immediately repaid, bu- repaid for it with the return of his god, who comes to, who comes to rescue him in this giant burst of, in this giant burst of light. And then Merle, and then I think Griffin was actually like paraphrasing the Bible for this. Like oh probably yes yes <laughs> I tell the trees when to shed their leaves and I make every piece of fruit taste the way it tastes and I taught every blade of grass in the ground where to grow did you really think I had forgotten about you <laughs> I that definitely made me cry and it will make me cry again if I think too hard about it <laughs> just go get There's... get get the solemnity hanky <laughs> yeah um but. It's just, and like, then this whole interaction with Pan is Pan affirming to Merle, like, yes, you are important. I did not forget about you. I couldn't get to you, but I did not forget about you. I knew you were here. And even though, like, you weren't the one, like, I'm not the one who you were originally praying to, I still consider you to be mine. 
Like, I still consider you to have worth. <laughs> um, I'm actually tearing up over here. <laughs> oh, God. And just, like, I don't even know what to add to it. It's just so powerful. Like, the message of, like, just, like, this, like, unrelenting, absolutely no, like, asterisks, like, love mm-hmm. for your followers are like not even just followers like but you know like that like like your god loves you no matter what even if you don't feel like you can see him or feel him or hear him like he's there and he knows you're there and he's there for you and it's just oh so so good (laughs) it's very good (laughs) and this like this continued like this continued like connection to his deity like even continues into the finale where like the big thing is that using the bonds that they formed with other characters other things in this world throughout mm-hmm. all of their adventures they're able to use that like those powers of friendship those connections to defeat the hunger which is in itself both like the ultimate connection and the ultimate absence of connections mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh they have this thing called the bond engine where um, which it ends up where it's like, oh, hey, like, you can summon people through it. And so, like, the first thing that Merle does is he summons his deity to come help him. And and Pan is just like, like, hey, I'm still here. He's like, like, I'm still he's here. Like, I'm still here for you. He's like, what did I tell you? I'm always going to be for you there for you from now on. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so which good. is really good. And then, like. You know, they, they, Magnus has a big sword and kills the hunger and stuff, or at least kills the manifestation of the hunger. And then, like, the ultimate, like, like, if, like, the whole, like, Merle and John redemption arc culminates in when this, when this manifestation of the hunger is destroyed, Merle is just, Merle finds himself on, like, a beach at sunset, and John is there and just asks that Merle sit with him, and the sun goes down. And the hunger passes, which is just like it's so, it's so it's it's just so I'm like physically like wrapping my sternum here because it's just yeah. so, and I don't have an adjective to go with it. I saying it's so good is such like a like Christian thing to say, but like it's it's just really good is the thing about mm-hmm. it. Um. Man, and yeah, and so wrapping up here a little bit, um, when we get to like the the, the adventure zone zone like wrap up episode, which where, is where they um, talk about their characters and exactly, about everything, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, like the really like this is like the the nail in not the nail in the coffin because he's not dead, but like you know what I mean. Like this is the the cherry on top of Merle, where Clint talks about like the choose joy philosophy. And how that wasn't just something he made up for Merle, that that really came out of um, his uh, late wife's Leslie McElroy's, like, influence. Um, and I think that's, like, so good. I don't, I don't really, <laughs> I don't think it's really my place to speculate too much into that. Like, it's like a fandom thing. But um, I think just knowing that that was from such, like, a real place makes the whole thing, like, even, like, all these little, like, we're probably reaching a little bit here, like, even all those things, like, knowing that it came from somewhere real makes me feel less bad about, like, yeah. reaching, because it, it was real and yes, important and good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, 
that's that's the end of my notes for this. Yeah. <laughs> and we're clocking an hour eleven of recorded audio. <laughs> oh god. Hey, listen, if you're here and you haven't listened to Taz, I'm so sorry, but please go listen to it. Yes. Because it is so much better than we even said, I promise. Yes, it's very good. You're gonna oh, be crying yes. about but about like you're gonna be crying about a guy who sounds like who just sounds like really sad all the time. Ugh. And it's just you you're gonna cry about a little boy saying, Hey everyone, we won uh, I need to re-listen to everything like immediately. I'm like I was just watching the animatics earlier today. I was like on the verge of tears, just like all of the like mm-hmm. memories of listening to it coming back to me. Yeah. So good. Yeah. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope that wasn't entirely um like unfollowable <laughs> yeah um it's it essentially like obviously like we will be doing more episodes about the adventures of balance um mm-hmm. if we can get anything out of amnesty we'll probably talk about amnesty too oh, but yeah, i haven't um, listened to any of amnesty uh, but we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure it out but it's just like the whole like the, the fact that this main character got to go through this incredibly realistic journey of faith and confidence mm-hmm. and about learning to find joy is incredibly important especially because that's not something you really get to see in media like ever nowadays Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i hope i really really hope that clint is out there and he knows like just how important merle is to like me and you and Mm -hmm. so many people i'm sure who are like faithful and saw that and related to it and like got some like real goodness out of it like Mm -hmm. it's so much bigger than this little podcast or anything it's just i hope that he's out there and he knows that (laughs) hashtag team merle (laughs) i'm team merle i feel like (laughs) like galaxy brain is merle is your favorite like if merle's your favorite you are (laughs) no you're correct (laughs) you're also correct if lucretia's your favorite that's true that's true Lucretia did nothing wrong. Yep. I mean, she did, but she had very good reasons for it, and that'll have to be a future episode. Yes. Anyway, we're going so long. Yes. longer than we thought we were gonna. We're going so long, and this is where I'm gonna cut in the outro once we decide on what the outro will be. Faithful is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pippa, and other places where podcasts are found. Our theme music is Start of Something Beautiful, courtesy of Ketza. We can be reached through an email at faithfulpod at gmail.com, that's faithful with two L's, or through our Twitter at faithfulpods. And since we're a new podcast, we always appreciate it if you can rate and maybe leave us a review on your listening platform of choice. And spread the word, recommend us to a friend or two. All right, well, yeah. All right, talk to y'all later. Yeah, have a good night. Uh, have faith. We don't have a sign-off yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep the faith. Choose joy, y'all. Yeah, keep the faith. Choose joy. Check our Twitter and vote on our sign-off. <laughs> <laughs>